Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I am your other host, Caitlin, and welcome back to our Resistance recaps. I'm so excited to be back talking about Resistance with our good friends, Kaz, Miku, Tam, um, Jaeger, the whole gang. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this break felt really short. I just have to say that. It did, but I miss them. I miss them too. And that trailer that we got like three days ago was so good and so validating for how much I love this show. <laughs> I feel like everyone was like, um, oh my God, Resistance is really doing that. And I'm like, yeah, they would because they're so good. You know? <laughs> Resistance Resistance has been doing it all along, guys. They have. And it's just they so haven't. good. It's real. I mean, the tr- the trailer took it up a couple million notches. I think, as far yeah. as like the intrigue and the suspense. I feel like if you're a fan of the sequel trilogy at all, Resistance is like actually the place to look for any sort of episodes about where we're headed in in nine. Um, mm-hmm. I I feel like people are just now realizing that with the trailer kind of confirming that we're going to cross over the Force Awakens and kind of go into. The Last Jedi territory. And it's only, I feel like this is all part of the road to episode nine in a way. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I I think it's funny comparing the two because the first Resistance trailer, you know, was met with such backlash and it was seen as like so childish. And then in this trailer, they're like, well, you know what? We're going to blow up Hosnian Prime. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to show Hux. We're going to show Hux. We're going to give – what I think – okay, so of course one of the biggest takeaways from the Resistance trailer was Kaz's hairstyle, right? And what, yeah. I, think is hilarious, what I think is hilarious is that Kaz like clearly has some sort of hair gel that he's been keeping on the Colossus, but like now he has like no time for hair gel and he just lets it all hang loose in front of his face. Well, there's been such a debate raging on about whether that's his new hairstyle or if he was wet and, like, that's what happened to his hair after he got out of, like, the water. And I think Tracy Kenobio has said that it's not a new hairstyle, but instead, like, an effect from, I think, him being in the water. Regardless, it is a new, like, chapter in how we perceive Kaz. And I'm really excited. How long is it going to take his hair to dry? Because I feel like we saw a lot of that hairstyle in the trailer. Well, maybe he's leaving that gel behind, though. Like, I think yeah. you're right about the gel. Like, both can be true. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Both can be true. These these don't have to be mutually exclusive concepts. Um, but yeah, seeing Kaz watch Hux's speech with the First Order had me – like beside myself i i just i'm so worried about cats <laughs> <laughs> i know i know and it's all coming up in the rest of the season like we're moving so fast <laughs> y'all i've said this before but the compressed timelines have me so stressed <laughs> i just like i don't know where to look it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay um, all oh, right, boy. so why don't we discuss this latest episode in the return of the second half of resistance so this episode is called Bebo, and it was and it aired January thirteenth, twenty nineteen. It was directed by Bosco Ng, um, written and it was written by Paul Giacopo. And this is like I think maybe the third or fourth time we've heard this like duo um, direct and write 
um, mm-hmm. a resistance episode. It's not an uh, not an unfamiliar name at this point. I feel like the writers' room is quite small, um, which I actually kind of like. I like that it's a couple of people working on this like compressed story. You know, you know, I do know. Yeah, it's good to see like similar people coming in, especially especially in the writers' room. Honestly, because mm-hmm. then it's kind of you know it, it's kept in house, and I I don't know. It feels like there's more continuity that way um, and consistency. Yeah. But, you know, it's always good to bring in new voices, too. But nothing nothing has totally. disappointed me, really, with Resistance yet. So whatever they're doing, it's working. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if this is your first time tuning in to our Resistance recaps, what we do is in part one, we discuss our highs and lows. And in part two, we discuss the story. And then in part three, we discuss the characters. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? All right, welcome to part one, where Charlotte and I are each going to share our two highs from the episode and then one low. So Charlotte, why don't you go first with your first high? Okay, my first high, this should come as no surprise if you guys have listened to our previous episodes, like our episodes from 2018, um, our Sky Talkers like main show episodes. But I loved that we got a monster moment, which is kind of crazy because I'm, I've been kind of anti-tentacle monster, but I feel like... Here we are again, reinforcing the theme of <laughs> monsters in Star Wars. And I was just thrilled to see this. And um, I think we're going to talk about it a little bit more. But I think the point of this is, yes, you have this like scary monster that's like oppressing the Colossus. But at the end of the day, um, it has like a hum- humanity about this monster. It's like this, the monster is uh Bebo's mother and they're just fiercely protective um mm-hmm. and I loved that I loved that we have this moment I also again longtime listeners will know we're kind of obsessed with any sort of imagery that has to do with hands and when the tentacle monster <laughs> this sounds so stupid um <laughs> reaches out uh <laughs> his tentacle hand and and <laughs> Niku gets on the hand and gives back Bebo it was like the most compassionate moment in the entire episode, right? And um, I loved this like bridging of uh, the Colossus and these this like uh, terrible monster and how these two kind of a, at odds uh, forces kind of are co- came together for this moment. So I loved that <laughs> overthinking yeah. everything as I usually do. Well, I think it, I mean we're going to talk about the monster aspect of it later in the episode, but again, we saw this theme a lot in Rebels, but this um theme of like construction and like technology butting up against nature and like mm-hmm. how those two kind of come together and how, you know, like everyone on the Colossus was so afraid of the monster and um it took them like a couple tries to finally realize that oh no, it's just, you know, like it's it's, it's a mom that it lost its baby. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Um, and there's something like really nice about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we'll talk about more about the monster side of it specifically uh, later on in part two. But my first tie was Tam's whole exchange with the children from Tehar, which also like, hello, children from Tehar. Good to see you again. <laughs> I liked how I this know, episode right? kind of brought everyone back in, like Sonara and the children from Tehar and the turtle people. Um, but that whole exchange was – hilarious like tam was like so you guys just live down here and they're like yeah just 
okay and like turns around and then the kid what the little girl they were talking about bebo and they're like tam you know it was like thanks for thanks for making uh niku so happy and then she turns around and then this kid so creepily right was i not the only one that thought it was a little creepy she was like but not for long <laughs> he won't be happy for long <laughs> and and you kind i of loved it that- you kind of expect that moment to just end there ominously, but God bless Tam. She turns around and is like, why would you say that? <laughs> she just calls it out. Like you almost expect that scene to just like fade out and then, you know, we're supposed to put the pieces together of like, oh, that giant thing coming for the Colossus is connected to this. But Tam so straightforward is like, why would you say that? I don't do well with vagueness. Spell it out for me. <laughs> and you just got to appreciate that. <laughs> I totally do. I loved that part. I thought it, it the, the whole thing, and again, we're going to talk about this later, but I, I loved the fact that those children are brought back into the uh, like the story. And it, it kind of added a different element. And I was like, wow, she has these crazy dreams. Is she force sensitive? Mm-hmm. So weird. Yeah. I don't know. I it, it really brought about a lot of questions. So dropping these I'm, little I'm intrigued. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my second high was the Clone Wars reference in the beginning. I don't mm. actually recognize the Clone Wars um, <laughs> reference at all, but like that's just me being 100%. I, I tried to do some Googling. Like I, Honestly, I don't really see what he was referencing, and maybe it was nothing. But I do like the fact that the Resistance is, like the, the show Resistance just um, echoed the Clone Wars in this small way. I also like that it showed that Kaz has some military expertise. And I just I, I liked that right in the beginning of the episode, uh, a simple reminder that this story is all connected. Yeah, yeah, it's like oh, Kaz is an expert at something. <laughs> That's refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> My second high was Kaz pretending that he doesn't hold secrets when he was on the ship with Sonara. <laughs> it was like I definitely don't hold secrets, but like one of those pilots, I think he was pretty handsome, but like I don't keep secrets. <laughs> you know they're just pilots like we're just a bunch of pilots like you know we're just pilots i loved that that was so funny (laughs) the biggest secret that i keep the the biggest secret that i keep is that i don't keep secrets (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i gotta say there were some there were some excellent neat like I, I laughed out loud a lot in this episode, particularly because of Niku. There were a lot of great Niku lines like when he called Kaz out for smelling bad Mm -hmm. (laughs) like Almost dropped my drink. <laughs> it was so funny. Niku is hilarious. Niku is hilarious. Then when he was talking about Bibu, um, and his Bibo, Kaylin, Bibu, Bibu, Bibo, and his adorable trail of chaos and mayhem. <laughs> Just some really great lines. <laughs> so great. So great. Mm-hmm. I have no lows for this episode. I'm just really happy it's back. I I feel like the show has a different, like each episode has a different structure that I'm not used to. And I don't think that's necessarily, necessarily a low. I think I start every episode being like, maybe this one won't be my favorite. And then by the end of it, I really like the story that it, it was weaving. So mm-hmm. no lows for me. 
Yeah, I don't really have any lows either. I know at first glance it would be easy to look at an episode like this and kind of classify it as filler, but then you start looking at like the details and we had a lot of things being woven into this episode as far as like Sonara and Tehar. We saw the turtle people again and and then also this theme of like monsters and something else that is coming. Um, it all is connected and similar to the Purgles, I, I wonder if, if Bebo will not forget his his good friend Niku in a time of need. Ooh, that's a good theory. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a, like any theory, but like I know like looking at this episode kind of on the outset, it's like, oh, Niku is just kind of – Niku has this episode where he gets like a pet and is happy about it and then like has to lose the pet and that's sad. And you don't really see like the bigger picture of it, but um, – and I think that could be a low, but then you start looking at the details of the episode and you're like, oh, no, there's like a lot more going on here. Totally. That's exactly how I felt too. Just like in the Clone Wars with like the Goldie arc, like the whole like the the devious droid arc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where you're like, what is the point of this episode? There was a good point to that episode. <laughs> <laughs> there really was. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about the story. Let's go. So welcome to part two. Um, this is where we talk about the story of the episode and its themes and tone. Um, and we usually start with the question, what's the state of the First Order or the Resistance um, or the Colossus? And um, so, Caitlin, what is the state of all of those things right now? <laughs> uh, well, we didn't get a whole lot with any of them. We definitely got like name drops, both of the Resistance and um, I think the implication of the First Order coming, um, especially when you pair this episode with the trailer. Uh, but the most interesting part of this episode was obviously what the pirates were doing. And mm-hmm. when we first heard the pirates talking to Sonara about like who these resistance pilots were, I almost wondered if they had been fed that information by the First Order for a second. Then I realized that they also have surveillance. But I wouldn't be surprised if the First Order is also kind of giving them some of this information and and nudging them along in the right direction. Mm -hmm. That was my greatest takeaway as well in terms of the state of. I also feel like if we were talking about the state of the Colossus, there was a shot of Doza looking at Kaz in the fireball and seeing him kind of fly pretty well um, that kind of made me think about what Doza is thinking about in that moment. Is he getting a little bit more suspicious about Kaz or anything like that? So I also think that this showed another example of um, the aces protecting the Colossus and also that they were not very good at protecting the Colossus, right? <laughs> and I thought that was an interesting takeaway as well, that now it is completely reinforced that the aces do protect the Colossus and maybe they're um, not able to completely do that job. Yeah, because I, I think we talked about this a couple episodes ago about were all of the aces originally like racers um, or were mm-hmm. they fighters? Was it some kind of combination? Um, we learned a little bit with Hype where I think we can kind of safely say that he was a racer and then kind of became this protector slash racer of the Colossus. But with everyone else, it's not really clear. Um, so I think mm-hmm. that's a really interesting thing to think about and we saw a little bit of that of that in the trailer where the first order is like you can't have racers protecting your ship like we'll do it for you so mm-hmm. it, there's there's definitely a lot to read into this episode based off of the trailer obviously the first order has a big presence in the resistance trailer and then you know we see that kid from the little girl from Tehara saying you know something's coming something's coming and you're like 
I think she's foreshadowing something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like, that's a good, that's a good, well, let's start talking about that because I think, I think her name is Ayla. Um, Mm -hmm. Ayla says, you know, something's coming. And I think that immediately we're like, oh, it's this monster that Kaz and Sonara just saw, obviously. But I also think it's more than that. I think that it Mm -hmm. is also like things are really, the tide is totally turning for the Colossus. And this is just like the first part of that. And I think that she sensed that. And what is she sensing in the future? Because suddenly we have this brief moment where Niku is really happy with this one creature, but is everything about to change? And I think the answer is yes, especially from what we've seen from the trailer. Yeah. Well, that whole exchange was just so layered. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. it, we, and this is one of the best things about, about the Colossus because I'm obsessed with the Colossus. Like I want a Lego set of the Colossus. Just like you have all these people in this compressed setting and all of these different layers of like secrets are all hidden um, between all of them. So like Niku knows where the kids from Tehar come from, but Tam doesn't know. But now she's met the kids and she finds out this like interesting, this like really interesting nugget that these kids, um, this little girl, Ayla, um, can like is basically having visions um, and mm-hmm. what that means for the planet she came from and why the First Order was there too raises a lot of questions um, and you know that she's going to come back into play once the first order starts arriving which I think will be really fascinating and then of course we have the you know the lair with Sonara too talking with the pirates and Sonara makes that interesting note when they're trying to warn everyone on the Colossus about like where the pirate siren is <laughs> oh I didn't pick up on that yeah yeah she goes that's good to know <laughs> <laughs> so it's Kaz is like this way. Here's the passcode. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Kaz. <laughs> but yeah, ever everything with that. Like once we went down into the engineering section, I thought was just really fascinating. Um, because mm-hmm. it and and what I thought was interesting too was how Tam was just like. Yeah, okay. I guess these kids live down here. And she didn't really question it, which that didn't seem super Tam-like to me because she's kind of been putting the pieces together little by little. And she even makes a, makes a comment to Jaeger um, at the beginning of the episode where she's like, we let Kaz get away with so much crap and like we should be there for for Niku right now, um, mm-hmm. which I thought was, was, was a great moment too because Jaeger was like, uh she's right (laughs) yeah I I loved that moment it was actually this episode was the first time I really saw uh, like a lot of layers in Tam I Mm -hmm. really appreciated I mean I've appreciated her character this entire time but I really liked following her and being and like kind of seeing what's going on from her eyes um in this episode and I liked how she is clearly like Kaz gets away with everything Niku let Niku have this like Niku just you know does his job so well and we don't (laughs) we don't let him get anything (laughs) he doesn't ask for much it was so nice it was nice I had kind of been thinking that maybe something I wish we'd seen in this episode was Sonara and Tam teaming up um, instead of it being Kaz. But I think the way they did it was was purposeful because, you know, if we had put Kaz in that situation down with Niku with the kids from Tehar, I don't think Kaz would – I don't think Kaz would have asked, you know, why would you say that <laughs> to the kids of Tehar? <laughs> um, I, think, I think he would have been like Niku, like, all right, great, got Bebo back, let's go. <laughs> you needed someone so like Tim to be like, wait a second, I don't deal well with vagueness. Why would you say something so cryptic? <laughs> 
<laughs> so creepy. <laughs> it was really creepy. I rewound it to watch it again. It was pretty creepy because the music is so like so happy, and then it stops, and the and Ayla's like, he won't be happy for long. <laughs> um, and then I think too, it'll it'll be. Um, I wonder if there'll be a situation where where cat where Tam brings up that there are these like suspicious children in the basement of the Colossus who can tell the future. <laughs> and Kaz will be like, huh, <laughs> didn't know that. <laughs> More like, Tam, how do you know about that? And why can they see the future? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, a lot of things going on. And then, of course, Kaz is the one who's, like, he's kind of being – uh for lack of a better word, like seduced by Sonara. And that's probably going to come and possibly bite him in the butt later. Uh, but again, Sonara, like we talked a lot when um, in the episode Sonara's score about whether or not Sonara would like kind of change sides. Um, and I think she's still kind of like leaning more pirate, but she definitely like has a rapport built up with like Kaz and Niku and, and probably more so with Tam than we even saw in her episode. Mm-hmm. I'm so intrigued by her. She continues to surprise me. I don't know if you guys remember, but I was like, I don't think we're going to see her that often. I don't think that she's I think that she serves only as to be this intriguing pirate. And I was so wrong. And I'm so happy I was because her, the layers of her character are so great. You know, something I wanted to bring up and I kind of mentioned it in the beginning was how Resistance kind of follows a different story structure each episode than I guess what I'm used to in Rebels and in the Clone Wars. I feel like in those two animated shows, um, there was like a theme that kind of ran for like three three episodes. Sometimes they were arcs, sometimes four episodes, sometimes two episodes. I feel like we were on like a specific planet for a couple of episodes and that was a whole storyline. But in Resistance, I find that they're so compact that um, it's hard for me to compare to the other animated series and like maybe I just should stop trying. Um, and I feel like in this episode, like you mentioned, you can start it at least like you you said that you could like easily write this off as filler. And I was kind of prepared to write this off as filler when I heard I saw the title of the the episode and the fact that it was going to be about Niku getting a pet. But I, f- I always find myself with resistance being completely intrigued from the entire story from start to finish because of how much they put in the episode and um, often we learn so much throughout it. And I feel like that never really was the case with Clone Wars and Rebels. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's different because it, I think it I think it's different because we have these overlapping timelines and we don't know where the story ends when it comes mm-hmm. to the resistance itself. And so everything seems like a nugget <laughs> of like foreshadowing that's being dropped throughout these episodes because they are. Um, mm-hmm. The whole thing with, with you know, with Sonara and the pirates and, and like you mentioned with Doza kind of looking suspiciously at Kaz and then, of course, the kids from Tehar. Um, it's all these little things that are building. And and what's interesting is all these things are from separate storylines, but they're all kind of leading us to the same place. Um, like Doza is not in any way connected to Sonara's storyline and, and none of them are connected to the Tehar storyline. I guess Doza is a little bit connected to Tehar, um, but they're all like operating very separately 
quietly, but it's still with this like undercurrent of foreboding of what's to come. And what's coming is the First Order. And what's coming is the destruction of Hosni and Prime, as well as the First Order. Um, and I think – I don't know what I'm going to do once we actually get to that point. <laughs> um, and I think that's why Resistance can be so interesting and, and why it can have these like almost kind of silly storylines like Miku and, and Bebo. Um but it's still working and it's still moving the story forward. Um, and it's almost like mm-hmm. you don't need like, – like I think the best example is with the Purgles from Rebels, right? Everyone like completely wrote off the Purgles until we got to the season four finale and it was like, oh, guess they were important. <laughs> um, whereas with Resistance, it's almost, it's almost easier to not need that hindsight um, because we're just automatically like look uh, like we're hunting for clues throughout this show because we know a little bit of what's coming down the line, but we really don't know a lot. And it's not like there's this huge time gap either between Force Awakens or The Last Jedi that Resistance can kind of live in for a while. It's all like no wonder they have to like speed us through The Force Awakens by the end of season one because the sequel trilogy ends at the end of the year. <laughs> Um, And we'll be going through Force Awakens and Last Jedi timeline too, which which blows my mind. Um, And they've got to get all of that covered before we get to the end of the sequel trilogy. Are you stressed? (laughs) A little stressed. (laughs) A little stressed. (laughs) A little stressed. Um, But like with Rebels and with Clone Wars, they were acting like they were filling in these gaps um, in a very different way than what resistance is doing. It's kind of hard to Mm -hmm. explain, but. Yeah, I guess what I, I totally agree with you. I guess what I mean is I feel like each episode um, just feels a little bit different than what I'm used to with Clone Wars and Rebels in that. um, Yeah, you're right that like we're kind of speeding through it because we're speeding through the timeline, but I do feel like um, perhaps with a more Dave Filoni-esque tone, there's less mysticism about resistance than in those other series. Mm-hmm. And because of that, a lot of it is straightforward. And the only thing that we really have a big question about is who the First Order spy is. And I'm kind of thinking that there is no First Order spy. Um, but mm-hmm. anyway, I, f- I feel like I... I feel like I keep changing my mind about who the First Order spy is, but I kind of think that we're on like a kind of a wild goose chase about who it is, and um, maybe it's no one. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's just bad intel that sent exactly Kaz to the Colossus. Yeah, I think that's a really good point you make that um, Dave Filoni isn't involved in the day-to-day, which is interesting because Dave Filoni developed Resistance, and he developed it without this like heavy force side to it. But like we talked about at the very start of the show, you know, we were pretty certain that there was going to be some kind of element of that um, somewhere along the line. And it looks like we're getting that at least with the kids from Tehar a little bit. But you're right. It's like we don't have like these – like it's, it's, there's nothing like the Bendu to like mess with your mm-hmm. head <laughs> in resistance. Yeah. Um, and I know that that's something you and I were really worried about – not worried about, but – like curious to see if we were going to like it as much as we enjoy things like the Bendu and the Mortis trilogy and stuff like that um, because this wasn't going to be focused on force users. But it's definitely been a wonderful surprise how much we've enjoyed Resistance. Mm-hmm. Totally. So let's talk about Bebo. Bebo. Oh, my God. You got me saying Bebo now. <laughs> Bebo <laughs> and the Monster Mother. The um, Monster Mother. 
Obviously, we've talked a lot about on the show about monster like symbolism, and I think that this is no exception. Um, what did you think about the introduction of this tentacle beast in the show? Uh, I thought it was a I thought it was a great addition. If you guys don't know, um, we have an episode in- entirely themed around monsters in Star Wars that we released in November last November. October, October yeah, for it Halloween. Halloween. It was Halloween. That, yeah. that makes sense. Um, so if you haven't listened to that and want to go check it out, it's it's there for you. Um, <laughs> but I, this is what we touched on at the beginning too. It's like we're just kind of constantly seeing this theme that um, almost like you can't judge a book by its cover, that you have to be able to look a little deeper and not let your first prejudice in a way kind of dictate how you um, interact with a creature or with a person. Um, and it's just kind of this – because, uh, you know, f- first when Kaz and Sonara kind of came across this thing, it is scary and it's like, oh, we've got to go tell the the Colossus. And your first instinct is fear. Um and then it was anger because they thought that the beast was there to eat Bevo. And then there was this realization of, no, it's actually none of those things. It's something that trumps all of those things. It's familial love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if that's not a theme for Star Wars, I don't know what is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I found myself being like, wow, um, what does this even show for the future of the show? Because I feel like, yes, it's all those things on the surface. But what what I'm trying to say is basically this monster shows like what a parent or a parent parental figure will do to protect their their young one or get their young one back. And I'm like, what does this mean for this future of Star Wars Resistance in the like for our characters? Will Kaz be presented with something where maybe his father will, you know, go to the end of the earth to get Kaz back? Or um, what will happen when um, Kaz and maybe Tam and Niku are thrown into the throes of this war between the First Order and the Resistance. Will Yeager be as protective as this monster was of his, her, his or her, its baby? Um, I, I feel like it is, this is just like the start of a theme that we're going to see as like this found family kind of grows mm-hmm. and, um, what sort of, um, risks they're all going to be able to and want to take for their own family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point, and it's something that we see a lot throughout Star Wars. Um, and it will be it'll be really cool to see how it plays out in Resistance, just because there seem to be a lot of desperate or like separate relationships. Like there's Doza and Tora. Um, I think that might be our best comparison, perhaps in the future mm-hmm. with the monster and Bebo. Um, and then, of course, there is this outlying factor of Kaz's father, which we're all kind of hoping makes another appearance um, to kind of stir the pot a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it'll still be interesting to see where his loyalties lie. Uh, but that that like notion of protectiveness, of course, comes up in Rebels a lot. Um, I mean, they even – Hera and Kanan are referred to as parents and they refer to the rest of the crew as their kids. <laughs> It's pretty obvious. Um, But then there was – like the interesting thing with Rebels is that even though there was this like adult and child kind of role-playing, at the end of the day, they were all team members. Uh, And at the end of the day, it was like 
uh, sorry, I'm getting my characters mixed up. It was Ezra who like had to pull Hera away from the end of like Kanan's sacrifice, you know, like he took mm-hmm. over that adult role. Um, whereas with Resistance, like Doza is actually Tora's father. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to create like a different dynamic than perhaps like what Ezra and Hera had. Right. Yeah, I'm just really intrigued by the introduction in the first season of this like very clear symbolic um, monster in this episode. And I think that Niku was also a really good choice to have um, kind of carry the symbol along. And Niku is so gentle. I mean, we can make jokes every day about Niku being the First Order spy, but there is something about him that's so, he's so kind, he's so filled with life and um, his like fierce protectiveness and love for this creature was so adorable. And I think that it will only, like, I was thinking about, okay, so Niku loves this creature so much. He's kissing the creature. He's cuddling the creature. He really wants to like, he it brings him such great joy. I think that he has a line about like nothing in the world has given me great m- much great joy as like this single pet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder like since now we see that Niku for, like for lack of a better term is like capable of this love of this creature. Like what's going to happen when the rest of his crew is put into danger? Will this fierce love um come back? And of course it will, but. I think that it was kind of important for us to see how uh, almost immediately attached you can can get to creatures and people. And um, I loved that. Yeah, I think it was great to see kind of this immediate and fierce loyalty that Niku um, had for Bebo. And mm-hmm. you immediately see him like throw down for Bebo. <laughs> it was like when the chips were down and Bipu was like, Beep, ah, Bebo. Really like butchering this name. (laughs) The smallest friend. I think that's what Niku calls him. His smallest friend. Uh (laughs) It's just so cute. Oh, my smallest friend. Um, (laughs) But Niku, like when the chips were down and and smallest friend's livelihood was at stake, Niku laid it all on the line. You know, like all jokes aside, he was like, "If, if smallest friend is out, then I'm out. And he mic drops out of that hangar. And Yeager and Sam were both like, whoa. <laughs> and I think you're right that that's important. And I wonder how it will come up to play when like, someone like Kaz is um, in danger or Tam. Because um, we haven't seen – it's not that, that Niku isn't loyal to them because he definitely is. Um, but we haven't seen that same level of fierceness like he had for Bebo. But we also haven't seen them in – the most dire of straits that I think they will find themselves in very shortly. Exactly. Um, let's move on to talking about characters because I want to say more about Niku, but not in this section. Let's go. Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. All right. Welcome to part three, where now we're discussing characters. So I'll let Charlotte go ahead and get started on what you wanted to say about Niku. Well, I just feel like we learned so much about Niku in this episode. This is, in a way, Niku's, like, big moment, his big episode. And I think that Niku knows a lot even about Kaz. He's been with Kaz for a lot of his even his missions that maybe Niku doesn't even recognize, um, our missions. And um, I, I feel like Niku 
is growing to love Kaz in a way that maybe he would love this creature. And I think that we just keep seeing these like beautiful examples of how big Niku's heart is. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think in a way Niku is almost the heart and soul of the Colossus crew. Um, It, is again just as much as we joke about Niku being the first order spy, which he very well could be. I I feel like if anything, Niku reminds us that these people that Kaz is still kind of potentially unfamiliar with, like these people are really good people. Kaz got really lucky with the crew that he's supposed to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, Niku is so kind, and Tam is also so kind in the fact that he would that she would stick up for Niku in when Yeager like basically fires him <laughs> or like Niku quits, right? Um yeah. I didn't which is not permanent, but I I found this like I I loved this idea that um these people are just so good. Yeah, this was something I th- I think you brought it up on one of our very first episodes about resistance, about Niku kind of being the moral compass for the team of mm-hmm. when they're going to be faced with these difficult decisions that are coming up very, very, very rapidly. Um, <laughs> that Niku's going to probably be the one to remind them of like the innocence and sometimes the the simplicity of the decisions they have to make between right and wrong. And it's not always going to be straightforward, but Niku can kind of represent that um, like that moral compass, you know, someone who is always going to put others first and someone who's always going to want the best outcome for everyone and not try and sacrifice morals. Um, for that just because it might seem like a good idea or, or it might seem um, like the best option. And you kind of compare that to what Doza is kind of doing with the First Order right now. Like Doza definitely feels like he's between a rock and a hard place when it comes to what the First Order is doing um, and this like threat of pirates. And um, whereas Niku, I don't think would make the same decision that Doza is making, for example. And I think Niku would be a, is a good character to kind of remind our other characters of that um, when the time comes up. Yeah, I um, I always think about that one moment with Niku when he gets paid and then he buys, I think it's the children from Tehar, um, food and uh, like clothing, I think. He, he buys them something mm-hmm. um, that will sustain them. And he says something, and I don't have the line right in front of me, but he says something about like, it's our obligation to help people who are in need and what better yeah. way to spend my money than to help people. Yeah. And that's that's what I think you were referring to, and I remember saying that about the moral compass. Mm-hmm. Um, he totally is, and he just continues to be, even in that moment where he um, extends, the, you know, this creature that he loves so much to his mother, and it's like this, this like, it's a sacrifice to him to give it back, um, to give the creature back to its mother, and um, it was a beautiful moment. Yeah, no, it definitely was. Um, that being said. Niku as the First Order spy. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I loved seeing the little bit of shade that Niku threw at Kaz in this episode when he was like, Biba smells better than you. (laughs) And I was like, so funny. Oh, is this this the real Niku? (laughs) And then I'm just saying that Niku knows that Bebo is an adorable trail of chaos and mayhem. And why would why would Niku, someone who adores clean hallways, and prioritizes cleanliness, want to bring in an, a, a trail of chaos and mayhem, if not to serve as a distraction. <laughs> I'll leave it there. Wow. I'll leave it there. 
Wow. I'll just leave it there. <laughs> Food for thought. <laughs> Food for thought. Those of you who are picking up what I'm putting down, you can pick that nugget up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk. We've talked a little bit about her, but let's touch a little bit more on Sonara and Kaz. So how much do we think Sonara is actually on to Kaz? Because she had that moment with the surveillance video, but did she get a good look at it? I don't I think that she's like I can't even tell, but I also wonder if she's kind of fibbing. I I feel like she's like, oh, I can't tell. Maybe he's not that bad. Maybe he's not resistant. I don't really want to deal with this. Like you can go that route or you can go the route of her like actually not knowing at all. That's what see, she she is throwing she's she's throwing a lot. She's like right in the middle, you know, because one, we had her her pirate boss be like, Oh, Sonara, why'd you miss your last check-in? And she's like, oh, oh, I was busy, which could be an excuse, could be legit. I'm sure Kaz bothers her a lot <laughs> for mm-hmm. stuff. Um, <clears throat> but then she – then she was actually – at like she was trying to do what the pirate boss was telling her and asking Kaz, you know, you know, are you a resistance pilot? What did you know about them? Blah, 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 blah. And then, of course, she makes the note of like where the pirate alarm is too. She's like, oh, that's – That'll be helpful to know um, in the future. So it, so it still seems like she's team pirate. Um, <laughs> but like I said earlier, she definitely is starting to form relationships with these people. And I wonder how and if it will come out that she's been working with the pirates all this time and how like Kaz and Tam will feel about that. I'm so ready for Sonara's like essential redemption arc. <laughs> right. Um, I really want her to see the light and to help um, – Kaz and Tam like from the inside I'm ready I'm so ready (laughs) I definitely think we're getting there Um, the question is if it comes I don't know like is this during the first orders like occupation of the Colossus is it before (sighs) (laughs) there's just like a lot that's going to be happening on the Colossus very soon (laughs) it sounds like when we discuss Kylo Ren and it's like wait when is it going to happen? His redemption? Is it going to happen before <laughs> the very end of the movie? Is it going to happen? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, do you remember before The Last Jedi came out and we were like, what if Kylo and Rey switch places and like Kylo is redeemed in the second episode and Rey falls to the dark side? Oh, my God. That would have been crazy. That would have been bananas. I still think that would have been a really interesting storyline. Alas. Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Uh, maybe episodes 10, 11, and 12. Good Lord. Good Lord. <laughs> I just need to get I, through season one of Resistance and then tackle episode nine. That's like – Well, I, that's – that's yes, that's exactly the point. Yeah. Is I feel like this is <laughs> – That's how um, chronology works. <laughs> so the question that I have is are we shipping Kaz with Sonara? Um, no, I totally think Sonara is like using Kaz – um, I'm still, I still like my head still goes to to Kaz and Tora, but I still don't know if like that's good. <laughs> I know, um, I know. <laughs> right? We were fed if we were if Kaz and Tora shippers like we're kind of fed in the in the trailer when they watch the Huck scene together. Like I feel like they're going to share a lot of scenes together. Yeah, and and, and, I, and we've always kind I of wonder pivoted them to having like important roles together is like with Tor's relationship with Doza and the Colossus and then of course Kaz coming in with the First Order. Um, and so they're kind of like their storylines are going to be meshing very quickly, which is funny because that's what we said about Ray and Kylo. We were like, 
oh, we don't ship Raylo, but like they're going to be heavily influenced by each other. <laughs> they're so dumb. <laughs> they're dumb. So dumb. So now I'm like, am I repeating past mistakes when it comes to Kaz and Tora? Are we even going to go that route in Resistance? Like, is that even going to be a thing? It might not be a thing for any of them. But all I know is I want Kaz happy, and I feel like Sonara might, like, make fun of him a little bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still intrigued by it. I, I I won't lie. If they went down that route, I'd love it. I just – I want more I want more Sonara and Tam time. Yes. That's a good ship. That is I a feel good like ship. I, I'm, I'm about that. Any ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's It's good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think that's going to wrap up this recap of the last episode of Resistance. It feels really good to be back talking about all of our favorite um, hooligans on board the Colossus. And I'm pumped for what's coming down the line, even though I am quite stressed about it. I feel like you can hear that a lot in my voice. (laughs) Um, But you guys should definitely let us know what you thought of this last episode. Um, And is Niku the First Order spy? Yes or yes? Let us know. (laughs) (laughs) But if you want to find us on the internet, uh, you can find us at skytalkers.com or on Twitter at skytalkerspod or our personal handles. Mine is at Caitlin Plusher and Charlotte's is at Clarity. You can also head on over to iTunes and leave us a review if you are liking our show and want to help others find it easier too. Yep. So, and I want to say thank you to our amazing patrons, Amy, Joanna, Neil, Mary, Larry, James, Tracy, Sarah, Susanna, Z, Cherie, Angela, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Courtney, Brian, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Suara, BJ, Ewan, Matthew, Fernanda, Chell, Catherine, Manny, Ira Bell, David, Claudia, Kate, Brooklyn, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lumpa Raru, Patrick, James, Hamsa, From a Certain Point of View, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stuart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kels, Chastity, Aliyah, Travis, Katie, Daniela, Alyssa, Rebecca, Andy, Delaney, Angela, Ali, Natalia, Daz, Serene, Shireen, Jordan, Molly, Aaron, Gina, Megan, Rebecca, Lauren, Tom, Edith, Adam, Connie, Robbie, Kirsty, Brandon, and Chuck. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.